It's the Craggy Rugby Podcast. We're back for a mini-series as we look ahead to Cuddock's action in the Aviva Stadium. Yes, a break from a long spell on the sidelines. Rugby is back. We're super excited about that reality and hoping that Connick can put on a bit of a show on these interprovincial weekends. On today's show, we're going to hear from the full crew, Dave Finn, Niall Shield, and Alan Deegan along a little bit later to look at the bigger picture. But after today's press conference, as we record, uh, two of the people who were online with myself on that press conference are on the line right now. First up, Lindy McKenzie. Welcome along. Good evening, Rob. Good evening, as we record. William Davis, welcome along. Good evening, Rob. Good evening, Lindley. I like that tone, William. That's the tone of a man who's already said good evening to me in an outtake where I didn't press record. I like it, William. Your patience knows no bounds. <laughs> I'm good. But I have a lot of, I have a lot of patience. I'm well known for it. <laughs> That's a man who spent more than 10 years on the road with myself at Rugby Games. Anyways, he's well used to it. You know who's also well used to press conferences? Well, Finlay Bielham, oh, Masterson and... Our head coach, Andy Friend, all spoke to a quite a large assembled media actually online today for all the different press conferences that were on the go. I'm sure many rugby journalists spent the entire afternoon in front of laptops. We, well, William aside, because he joined in the Ulster press conference more than that and on. We only had to sit through one though, and it was quite an interesting one. Here's some snippets from it. We've had uh, the last two Fridays, we've had internal hit outs. Um, the one Friday just gone was, was full contact. The one prior was half and half, but just judging on uh, the energy the boys uh, gave us in those two contests, it, it's, uh, they're mad keen to get out there. It's different, without a doubt. Um, but at the same time, it's just given us great opportunity, I think, you know, to, to a man, every player um, that was here and, and has remained here has used the COVID time or the time off to develop their bodies, which has been really impressive. Uh, and then with the new guys that have come in, it's a fresh start for them. Um, I don't think we've ever had a time, or these blokes have never had, never had a time, unless they've been injured, where they've had this length of time to actually work on their bodies and get themselves in the best physical shape they can. Um, so they're using that to really good effect. And for us, it's just given us a real buzz and a real energy around the group. Uh, our, our athletic performance and medical staff have done a great job. So we've got, at the moment, um, three blokes on the injured list. Uh, the rest are fit and healthy, and uh, it's pretty exciting. Oh, Bundy's been really impressive. Um, you know, he's, you know what Bundy is, mate. He's a warrior. He's uh, he's a super, super competitor. Um, he, he's a bit like a caged animal. He's been locked up for, for five months, hasn't been able to do what he loves doing, which is which is playing rugby. So uh, given that it's his 100th on, on Sunday, that's just added incentive for him, um, no doubt. But yeah, Bundy gives his best whenever he's playing, whether it's his first cap, 100th cap, 50th cap, whatever it is. But he's, you know, you know, you know you're going to get something positive out of him. What's been really impressive, though, is um, just the way he's changed his body shape. He, you know, he's, he's just under 100 kilos now, but it's good. It's a, it's a good 100 kilos. He's uh, he's looking lean. He's looking looking big. Um and he's, you know, he wants to he wants to put that on show on on Sunday and any other game that he plays. Oh, everyone's craving a bit of rugby. Like you you miss it, you know. It's been a very long time, and um, we've had a good good block of training done now, and everyone's putting their hands up. And I think that's the most important thing is that lads are pushing each other in you know in their respective positions, and that ultimately brings the the team standard higher and higher because lads have to perform. So um, whoever's picked a, to play on the weekend will do a job and. Um, I'm looking forward to it. Anyway. I can't wait, mate. Um, I haven't had too much of a look at Ulster. We we played them a lot throughout the years. Um, kind of more just focusing on us, just making sure that we're all uh, we've all got our you know our units and stuff are all you know locked in and ready to go. Um, we know what Ulster bring. We've played them lots over the years, and um, I think for us it's been a long time since we played. So we just have to make sure that we're all gelling together nicely. Uh, the first week we Jimmy Duffy refereeing, um, so nobody dared give a bit of uh, chit-chat there back to him. And uh, last week, George Clancy was good enough to come into us as well. So pretty interesting uh, new interpretations around the breakdown and stuff like that. You might have seen anyone mm. watching Premiership over the weekend. A lot of rewards for Jacqueline teams and uh, a lot of penalties given away by both teams, which, which isn't ideal, but um, it'll be interesting to see now um, this weekend if there's any 
I suppose, adaption into how referees and teams are interpreting them. But I definitely noticed from George Clancy last week and from the, watching the Premiership games the weekend that there's definitely some there's some change. You definitely get that appreciation of you know loving what you do and coming in every every day and I suppose just the people as, as well that you didn't get to see during that period of time and that team environment and the camaraderie that 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 we have here and the the atmosphere and the culture around the place. Um, you miss that, and I suppose when you come back to it, you definitely have a, a newfound appreciation for it all. William, your seat there beside the window with the laptop open in front of you, that has that is how you've spent most of your Tuesday afternoon watching online press conferences. Welcome to the new world. Yeah, it is the new world, Rob. Um, 25 weeks uh, next Sunday uh, when the match kicks off since Connacht last played a rugby match. Uh, everything's changed, and uh, it's 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 very different. Uh, but it actually went quite well. The technology held up well for Connacht. It wasn't so strong for uh, Ulster. They had a few technical issues this afternoon. It just it happens. Nothing's perfect, but uh, I thought everybody was in reasonably good form. I think they just want to start playing rugby. They've they, they this has been an endless preseason, which really started the day the lockdown started when they all took their gym kit home and started training uh, pretty assiduously by the sounds of it. Then they've come back and they've gone through tests and they've gone through different protocols as to how the training worked. And uh, now I think they just want to play rugby. Oh, so true. You could really uh, feel that in listening to Bielham and Masterson Lindley, both of them, there's a, there's a lot of energy there that they want to kind of get out onto a rugby pitch with. Well, yeah, it has been a long five months for everyone, hasn't it? Not just Connacht rugby players, but at least uh, I think, you know, everyone has to take the positives from the, from, from the situation. And I think one of them is that we've had to learn how to do things in a different way. And so have the rugby players. So the, for them, they have been spent a lot of time First of all, they've had a very good rest, which frequently they don't have between seasons, although this is not yet the next season. Um, They also, I suppose, have had to think outside the box like many of us have about how to keep fit, how to keep abreast of things. And I suppose that that is always, I think, opens up people's minds. And I think some of these players have, have probably quite enjoyed the the break but like any player you do want to get back into the action and I'm sure after the five months they are ready for it I'm sure they'd like to test their bodies actually in a competitive environment for all the training and the physical work they've done and and I think you know that day is that day is is coming on Sunday I think William Sinead Farrell, I think it was from uh, the 42 asked question at the end, which was interesting, just about the the realities of whether they're nervous about it and own uh, Masterson answered it very, very well because he gave you a great perspective of the day-to-day kind of rules and structures and, and caution and precautions that they're taking. But also, like he said, it would be a tragedy if at this stage, after all they've gone through, uh, anything was to disrupt uh, the next couple of weeks. So fingers crossed, I guess. Yeah, that would be very hard, uh, I think, for all teams. Um I mean, there's there's 12 teams getting ready to play in the Pro 14 at the weekend. The two South African teams are still not returned to contact training. And that where they go, different issue. We haven't time to get into it. We'd be here all night. But, you know, the, all these teams have gone through the same procedures. And I'm sure they're all in the same position. They just want it to work now so they mm. can get out and play. It's going to be very odd. I, I, I got the... I don't think any of them would admit, but I think deep down they probably just don't know exactly how um, how it's going to go for them. Mm. They normally start a playing season with warm up matches. Well, there's none of that. They're straight in. They've had, they've done a couple of inter squad games. George Clancy came down uh, for the second inter squad game, which was full contact, so that he could go through the new laws with them. And I think that's going to be a big challenge for all the teams. We saw it in New Zealand. We've seen it in Australia. Uh, the referees have had a lot of say in those games. 
because there was a lot of penalties in some of the games in the English Premiership last weekend as well. So there's a lot of little challenges, but the main challenge is to get through the next set of tests and get at it. Lindy, I thought it was interesting that Andy Friend had a little line in there where he said, you know, we ref the first week game and uh, we kind of realised that, you know, we have uh, limitations in our refereeing knowledge when George Clancy came along and that was important for them to kind of see, you know, get a more honest assessment, I guess. That's pretty standard, really, isn't it? It takes it takes someone from the outside to come in and and also to do the job. Because let's face it, you know, Jimmy Duffy, who I think refed the very first the first of the, their games, um, and management are not you know highly trained, qualified referees. So I think and Connacht have done this before. I understand. I think they have brought refs in before, and at the start of seasons, usually to give them you know to. I think as Andy Friend said it, he told he told George Clancy to go hard at them not to let them off with anything because they have to they have to i suppose find that upper limit you know that they have to achieve and i think i think it can only have done them good to be honest what are we looking at william for the weekend because as we look at the bigger picture of where rugby is and we'll speak to the lads a little bit about that later we've kind of immersed ourselves today and you in particular over the last couple of weeks in the the here and now the short term the medium term so What's your thought process as you come away from today's press conferences in terms of where this game fits into the picture, if you like? Well, mathematically, Connacht can still qualify for the semi-finals, but I don't think it's going to happen. They'd need a lot of things. They'd need to win two games, probably get two bonus points, other results. Uh, Ulster have a fair bit to play for. They need two points, will guarantee them second place. Leinster have that conference sewn up. It has to be said, people have to understand these results affect the Pro 14 final table. They don't affect the European qualification process. That's done. They've already worked on that from where the table is before these games are played. Um, Ulster also have a European game to look forward to. Uh, My guess is they would love to win on Sunday, get the job done, Maybe rest a few players. They have a couple of key injuries. Um, Robert Balacone is going to be out for a very long time. He's got a, a, a bad uh, hamstring injury. And Ian Henderson is out. So if they could win on Sunday, they could then, for the match against Leinster the following week, maybe try a few different players and get ready for a semi-final in the Pro 14. Hopefully a final, they'd be thinking. And then they have to go into you know, a trip to Toulouse. Um, which is a, a daunting proposition in any terms. So they, they have a lot more going on. Connacht, on the other hand, I think have to come at this. They, they need to win an interprovincial. They've lost their last five interpros. That's, that's a serious issue for them because it's nearly a third of your games are interpros. And if you're not getting results in them, you're, you're, you're almost playing a 15-game season. And they're high-pressure games. Ireland are around as well. Ireland are scheduled to play six games in seven weeks. You know, Andy Farrell is going to have to cast his net a bit wider in those games. So players can put their hand up and Connacht's players will only get two opportunities to actually try to force their way into the edges of that squad or at least get maybe to a situation where they're being looked at. Lindley, uh, we heard today the injury count for once isn't too strong on Connacht, which uh, Andy Friend was delighted about. And then, oh. of course, that means we could be seeing some of the new signings as well coming in straight away. Yeah, look, I think that there's two games. I think Andy Friend said when asked he would, he's probably looking at 30 players, trying to give 30 players an opportunity. And there will be some players, obviously the younger players, I would imagine some of them who who will miss out because as he said, there's 43 players at the moment. So not everyone's going to get an opportunity. It doesn't necessarily mean to say that they're, you know, not in any pecking order. Um, I don't, I I get the impression that uh, uh, Papalihi won't, play. Um, he suggested that he was had only had three training sessions. Maybe he would play in the next one if he's ready. So there were, right. he doesn't look, it's possible he won't play. Then you do have a couple of injuries, nothing major. Turner O'Holler and uh, wasn't involved in training, but I think he said he was ready to play. I I think the key thing, you see, I kind of disagree about the importance of this fixture and wanting to win. Everyone wants to win. Don't Let's not get that wrong. But in the overall structure of things, who needs it more? 
unfortunately, Connett don't. And I think that Connett really need to actually just play to their best of their abilities and find out where they are. It's quite a new squad. There's 14 players who are who are, who are new to the squad, which is actually quite a, a big turnover for the you know in, in, in recent years. And I think while yes, of course they want to win. There's a lot to play for, and there's there's a responsibility I think for the team to play for those individuals who could be selected for Ireland. I think it's going to be a test. We've heard from Andy Friend how fit this team is. It's the best shape he's ever seen them in. So I think that's going to be a test whether they can prove him right on that. Um, But it is a first match. They haven't played any competitive rugby. Neither has anyone else. But the squad is a vastly changed squad. And I think the most important thing is it's mathematically likely it's mathematically unlikely that Connett will qualify for the semi-finals. I think Connett need to concentrate on actually just performing to the best of their ability, maybe ironing out some kinks if they have them, seeing how players are adapting to a competitive environment. Because let's face it, it usually takes a good couple of friendly fixtures in the at the start of a season before they can get into their rhythm. And I I think that that is also have more to play for. Um and certainly Ulster and Munster um, and and Leinster are bigger fish, basically, and we have a a greater task against them, especially at the Aviva Stadium. It's not like this is a home match for Connacht, a home match in the Aviva with no support. I mean, it is is very very unusual. So I'm not overly concerned about the result. I think Andy Fran mentioned three things that he wanted. I can't remember all three of them. One one of them was communication. William, you might remember a couple of things he said he wanted three things and if Connett did those three things he would he would be happy and he's obviously set his boundaries there as well we want to work harder than everyone else we want to have a non-stop communication a link between attack and defense and from my notes i have here he said our clarity make sure we're we're tuned into that we want to be uh, we've been working hard on the clarity of our message from the management team to the players so i think he put a little bit of onus on the management team as well there I think communication has been an issue for Connacht and it'll be very clear on Sunday if players are communicating because you can hear everything now uh, in modern rugby, uh, including some stuff that the television people don't want to be broadcast. Mm-hmm. Everything is very clear. It's it's amazing what these what it what's picked up and it'll be interesting to see. Connacht were actually starting to play some decent rugby at the end when the, when the lockdown came. And I think that may well have frustrated them, frustrated everybody. But they they had seemed to have turned the corner a little bit. Their record was seven and six, which isn't great, but it's ahead of fifty percent, which is your minimum standard. I think what they'll be looking for, they, they, if, if particularly in the we don't we're not talking about the monster match, but if you do bring other players in there, that that's that's part of the learning curve for the coaching team. They have a problem. They're going to stop. Then they don't have another match. While all the others roll on between the Pro 14 and Europe, Connacht will be going back and playing a couple of A interprovincials, bringing some players into those games. Those are going to be their warm-up games because we're all supposed to start again on the 3rd of October. So it's it's an unusual situation that you have two, I think they're quite important games. And I think they're very important games for rugby as well. And they're going to get a lot of people watching them. So... It's just an it's just an unusual scenario, but everything is at the moment. Yeah, it's just take a deep breath right now. As we record this this evening, I mean, unless they play those games in church, uh, I don't think they're allowed to even assemble to that number of people. So you just don't know where things will turn by the time October comes, maybe back in the right direction from whatever decisions they're making now. God forbid we'd mark uh, our, our, this conversation uh, in any sort of kind of analysis of the COVID reaction. And I think that's the point. We're supposed to be an escape, Lindley. So to kind of conclude this as an escape, it's going to be for an awful lot of people who really care about rugby in Ireland and from our perspective, from Connacht rugby people, it's just going to be great to see the green shirts out on a rugby field in a Lansdowne Road Stadium for the first time since 1989 when Alan tells me they lost to uh, Leinster, 16-12, I think. Uh, it's a long, long time since they've trotted out onto that field. So there's a significance there and then there's the historic significance of this 25-week wait for rugby and this attempt to get it back. Yeah, well, look, isn't, isn't the, the biggest shame is that here's a, a match being played in the Aviva and and, and two hundred oh, people, two hundred oh. people, you know, most of which are you know are obviously staff, 
uh, can't be there to watch this this wonderful occasion. And it will be a very special occasion for a lot of players who would never have that opportunity to ever go and play at, at the Aviva. So, yes, in that sense, it, it is a big occasion. You know, there's so many protocols to go through when you go there. They've, they've, I think some of the players did outline some of these protocols when you when you get off the bus and, you know, all that sort of stuff when they get, get there. But for the for the fans watching at home, it is it is it is massive. I mean, let's face it, everyone is dying to see rugby matches played again. Everyone is dying to see sports, you know, played again. And for the players who have been who have been, you know, waiting in the wings, training hard, you know, it's it's what they what they're paid to do and what they live for. So it's it's vitally important, but I also think that there has to be a word of caution in all of this. I mean, mm-hmm. you know, as the country goes back and almost into lockdown now again, you've got sports teams playing sport with no spectators, but the spectators have to go into lockdown again. But the sports are still being played. I think there's just a note of caution that we have to that we, we have to have here about the situation and how we move forward and um and how lucky these rugby players are to be out there playing in the Aviva. That's really well put. William, uh, you and I have been on the road a long time. I think it's 2002 was the first Connacht Rugby game I covered. I've never been in a situation where I couldn't go to the game as a journalist, but this is the first time. And we accept that because there's only 200 people in the Aviva Stadium and the television coverage, which is going to bring this game to everyone who can't see it, so literally everyone, requires a huge amount of people. But at the same time, it's uh, it's right on the borderline of whether it even should be taking place this game, and uh, Lindley's kind of outlined that as well. And I think it's just just edging over on the side of yeah, let's give this a go. Is that fair? Yeah, I think I think they're they're desperate to get back. Um, there's going to be big challenges ahead, but at the moment, concentrate on on this weekend and hopefully the following weekend, and then see where you go. Um, England are back. And France are due back there, I think, either next weekend or the following weekend. They're ready to go as well. They, you know, but then you've seen Stade France. They're going to have crowds, aren't they? Well, they're, they're, they don't know. I, 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 I don't know. I just don't know how that's going to work out. But I mean, Stade Francais had 20 positive tests, which suggests that their structure wasn't working too well. Um, and I think. The model really, look, it started with the German, uh, the Bundesliga, the Premiership did very well. They they got everybody through with very few positive tests and they produced a watchable uh, sport. And it engaged people. It, it may engage people in a different way. People want to go to games. But at the moment, that's just not possible. And I think I would say to people, just enjoy it for what it is Uh Hopefully, it'll be a decent enough game. It'll probably have a slight uh, pre-season feel to it, but it's an inter-pro, and there's uh, that's different to starting uh, maybe at, uh, you know against a home game against maybe Zebra or the Dragons or something like that. This is this is going to have a, just a different feel to it, uh, and it's just a pity that the well, I suppose if. If people could go, this game would have been played on the 25th of April in Galway. It wouldn't be at the Aviva, so they'd still be waiting to get to the to get to Lansdowne Road, um, and that used to be a pretty grim place when there was about a thousand people in there for an inter-pro game back in the 80s and 70s. Well, try try telling Henry O'Toole that when he kicked uh, three penalties in the nine-six win over Leinster. Ah, I tell you, <laughs> exactly. And, that's, and that is that is one of the issues, I think. Uh, we, you know, fans, yes, but I think players, highly competitive people, uh, oh, yeah. sports people are just competitive. They step over that white line and, yeah, they're at it. And that's what, you know, they, they want to keep their own standards. And I think we've seen that. I, I, I think a lot of the sport I've watched has been, I've been surprised by how good it's been. Uh, but then these are top sports people doing what they do. And I suppose you wouldn't expect anything else. No, you wouldn't. But I think, Lindley, you've, you've beautifully highlighted the fact that, you know, we cannot at any point lose sight of the fact that this is not anywhere close to normal and it doesn't fit the whole spectrum of why sport is played. It's played, it's played because it matters. It matters because people attend it. 
Lindley, I think I've kept you from your, just to finish on that, uh, you did make a good point there, but I want to know, I think I've kept you from what sounds like a very nice meal we've dragged you away from. So you're, you're not in part two for that very reason, but you will join us in a week, I'm sure, after the after the game. You're going to sit at home and watch it at this stage like the rest of us. Indeed, I will definitely be watching the match. And I do have uh, a late dinner to go, which my son and my husband have dutifully cooked for me while I was working. Mm. So um, I sh- with that, I shall bid you good night. <laughs> Farewell. Good night and, 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 and enjoy the food. Yes, and I William. Look, I-, and I, look forward to, I look forward to the match, the Aviva. And one important point about that is that I suppose deserves a, a mention is Bundy's 100th cap as well. So I think well, that definitely. Are, yeah. So I think that would that would definitely be one of the highlights. I think of this match, Bundy going out in his his refigured body, so to speak, um, looking looking you know fit, mean, and and eager to play. And I think that extra spice of of uh, new additions to the squad of players also looking to capture the attention of Andy Farrell and there's quite a few of them. The likes of Kieran Marmion who is who was desperate to get back on that Irish team, definitely one of what he'll be one of those. And I think that there are other there are other sideline issues I think that make this game very important. Brilliant. We could have covered so much more there uh, and uh, we will talk a bit more about Bundy in part two, but for now, Lindley and William will speak to you in a week. Well, as we transition to part two of the podcast, let's hear a little bit from that uh, Ulster press conference. So when I was when I was first there, it was uh, it was definitely a, a case of we're going to give these. Um, um, I was going to use a swear word there, but uh, <laughs> bloody nose, and it literally was. But it wasn't it wasn't a question of giving them a bloody nose on uh, in, in terms of a result. It was in terms of actually giving them. A nose. So we, we probably weren't going to win, uh, but but we were going to hurt somebody. Um, since then, things have grown, and I, I suppose the, uh, uh, the, the the further it went on in the uh, in the time that I was there, the the more feasible it was for us to be a consistent challenger um, against the other provinces. And you know that that that's a testament to that province. Um, you know, it's uh, you know people called it a Cinderella province, and we used to think of that as a, as an insult. But the the bottom line is that. Uh, Rugby isn't the biggest thing in uh, in the west of Ireland, and they have the least amount of people. Um, so, to, to to achieve what they have achieved um, in in the professional rugby era, uh, everybody has to acknowledge that and take their hats off to it. Um, you know, they're, they're a championship winning team. You know, at one stage they they could legitimately say they were the best team in Ireland. Um, so, as far as the game this weekend. You know, I, I'm not in friendly's shoes. Uh, I'm not in those guys' shoes. But you know, they'll be coming to win that game, uh, and and with with a genuine and and um, you know proper belief that they're they're well able for it. And we're back for part two. Introduced as the rest of the crew, problematic because, well, we didn't get everyone. But hey, that's the way it goes. Uh, Alan Deegan has made it. Welcome along to our preview on our mini series, we're calling it a little mini series of rugby previews. Fair enough. Yeah, yeah. It's it's strange times just reading that Jamie Roberts has now got COVID and so it's putting the Welsh set of fixtures up in the air and what sort of effect is that going to have on next season? <laughs> I don't know. It's all very strange. Oh, very strange. Do we even get all these fixtures off as another story? And do the playoffs happen? How do the playoffs happen? How do teams cross over different territories when they're not supposed to? And is that, oh my word, oh the headaches. Our listeners have heard from Lindley and William and along with myself, we were all on the press conference today. So we're going to set the scene for the listeners on the fixtures, uh, the reality for Connacht of these just being two fixtures, whereas the other teams are obviously looking towards playoffs. And in the case of Ulster and Leinster, Europe too. So they have a bit more in September. So we've kind of laid that out. We know there isn't a huge amount of injuries for Connacht right now, just the three. We're not really expecting Abraham Papali to play as from the what we picked up in the press conference, but you never really know. Um, and just at the end there, we just kind of got into the fact that Bundyaki is going to be making his 100th appearance. So what I want to do is just start on that, Alan, first of all, a little bit of Bundyaki talk to start. But but um, yeah, let's just do that, just to link into it. And then we'll what we're going to try and do is just give people a bit of our overall view on the wider picture. What's ahead? Where are we now? What does all this mean, these two fixtures? But first and foremost, 
the last bit of specific preview, if you like, of a game that's hard to preview, is Bundiaki. You were in the stadium, Alan, last year commentating with William uh, in that playoff game when uh, Bundiaki made that incredible break and scored that try. It was this epic moment. Unfortunately, it's one of those ones that gets lost by the final result. But in that moment, what was your thoughts? Because it really was a glorious one right up there with the try in Tolman Park, wasn't it? Oh, it was. It was It was classic Bundy. You know, he's just, he He really is. The stats back up the fact that everyone knows he's our talisman, but the stats really back it up. Like, he's got a 55% winning ratio when he starts. Like, there's hardly anybody who's got that sort of winning ratio having played that many games for Connacht. It's it's astonishing. And if you go back to the, like, the one that really blew me away in the championship winning season, every time he started, he won 71% of those games. 71% games on a Connacht team is just, it blows your mind sometimes when you look at, at what he can do. And as you say, he, he just has an ability to make something happen out of nothing. And, and he brings everybody up around him. Um, and my other, the other little one I, I got was, was really interesting. The player he's won most games playing alongside is Craig Ronaldson. Craig Ronaldson. He won 60% of the time playing with Craig. Which and I always thought that was our best centre partnership because Ronaldson was like a second five eight and it gave Bundy the opportunity to have two playmakers and then he could run riot as he as he tended to do. How how many games was that, Alan? Amazing! It was twenty matches, which is the most the the the, the longest partnership that Aki had. Twenty games, twelve wins, eight defeats, sixty percent winning ratio. That's pretty. That's pretty good going. As you say, in Connacht teams, you know, and this, they weren't always. That was in the time when you know prior to the championship winning season as well. So, what, what jumps out at me, because you've had the struggling start that they had to have under Lamb, then those three, three great years, that bad last year under Lamb, and then the difficult first year for, for, for Endon as he's settling in. And you think, put all that in one big bowl. The 55% figure is what just blows my mind still. You know, the other figures are fascinating, but that one across the board with all the different challenges and all the mix of players around them, 55%. I guess to you, Niall, on that, like, like Bundyaki's impact on the field, off the field, all that. But in the most basic job of what he has to do for Connacht has been phenomenal. In his job, in the jersey, in the centre for Connacht, he has done it superbly well. <laughs> it's funny when you get to silence. We are challenged by technology. There was a time, folks, when we used to be on the terrace, in the clan terrace, do you remember? And we'd sit there and you might hear a few seagulls or maybe you'd hear a tractor going around and, and it would interrupt us and, and maybe they'd be taking down the poles and we'd get annoyed. But now, hang on, Dave Finn's just joined us. But now we're dealing with technology. We're all sitting at home on a Tuesday night. We've other things to do, but we're happy to see each other. It's been a while. But by God, would technology work? Because right now, myself and Alan are in beautiful Dolby surround sound. There's a phrase I haven't used in a long time. Whereas the lads are struggling. Days back! So after my rant about technology, uh, we've lost Niall, but we've got Dave. Dave, we're talking about Bundyaki. Do you want to just ch- ch- chime in? Tell us why Bundyaki is amazing to you. Um, He's amazing to me because he is... Just he he just has that X factor. I mean, it's one of those things. I it's it's like the classic line. I can't tell you why he is spectacular to me, but I know when I see it. Um, there was a there was there was a, an interesting following on from from what Andy Friend was at the article was written in the forty two, and there was a comment underneath by somebody who said, "Oh, I don't understand what he brings to to Ireland, and it's McCluskey could do the job, and he's." something like the sixth or seventh best centre in Ireland. And my view on that is simply the Bundyaki that plays for Ireland is used in a way that is that nobody in Connacht would want to see him play. He's used as a battering ram. But when you give Bundy space and a chance to run at people and a chance to use his footwork, he is mesmerising. And, I mean, what well, the thing is, is look at what he's done for the likes of Tom Farrell. Look how important he was in developing the development of, of Robbie Henshaw. Every centre is better with Bundyaki beside him. And I can't tell you why, but I know it happens. Yeah, I like that. That's a good intro. He, uh, Dave has heard none of this and he's just dived right in the middle of it. Uh, I guess, Niall, uh, I guess uh, before we bring, we have Niall back there, so we'll just do a bit of a technical check. Niall, are you there? I'm here. Are you there? We were eulogising Bundyaki. We've done the stats. Dave has just uh, told us he's made every centre around him better as well. Um I guess what was interesting today, Niall, was uh, Andy Friend must have spoken about 
the, his uh, the, the the new shape of Bundyaki for at least four or five minutes. I think he's a he's just under hundred kg, but a good hundred kg. I don't know whether he was ever a bad hundred kg, but they feel like he's a different looking Bundyaki now, and that's a good thing. I don't know. Is that something you feel is going to make a difference? Well, in his big in his big seasons for us, he was um, he seemed a bit heavier. You know what I mean? He he looked bigger. He was very lean the last couple of seasons, and I don't think he was as, as effective. Just because he could, you know, he could take the contacts a lot better, and then you know do what he does best. But I don't know. That's I'm mean, listen. I'm only guessing here, but um, that's it's just something uh, that I, I I wonder. Ash, does um, I just remember him from the especially the title winning season where he was. Um, he was definitely an awful lot heavier. Like he was a force of nature there, and um, I just yeah. Well, let's see, let's see. The proof in the pudding will be in the eating. Abraham Papalihi, hope we're saying that right, uh, was mentioned a good few times in the press conference. We don't expect to see him this weekend, I think, from the way we're interpreting it. But there is a feeling coming from the players and from Andy Friend that he is going to make the kind of impact they hoped he was going to make in terms of ball carriers, uh, ball carries, big, big ball carries, lots of power. And that's something that was missing from Connacht, wasn't it? Oh, God, for how many years? I think you need balance in in all your lines on the pitch. You You know, uh, wherever you know, whatever line you're going to be on, and in a back row, you you need a balanced back row. And unfortunately, I don't think we've had it. We've had that. We've had a lot of players that have tried manfully to do it, and we've had a lot of players that have been very good. But for me, they just fit, didn't fit into a balanced back row. So hopefully, this lad brings the ballast and power. Like I said, this you know it's been well, fairly well documented. You'd hope that um, his fitness issues um, that they can iron them out. Um, in time, in time for the for the new season. Hopefully, he can you know he can get a big you know sixty seventy eighty minute engine and um, but certainly he's it looks like he has oodles of power that he's um, and that's a, that's a you know it's going to be a massive thing for us. Dave Andy Friend said today it's the best squad he's had. He would say that I guess, and he had said it, but he, he does feel like he's assembled a really strong squad. He's putting that down on paper now. Um, do you feel that? Do you feel we've earned our place in the Champions Cup, which is a much deeper and wider question that you have to ponder now? But uh, did we earn it? In 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 terms in terms of with the squad depth, I don't know. I do like like the lads. I do I do like what I see of Papa Ely, but I would seriously. I have a one minor caveat, which you see with the videos I've seen. The guys who were trying to tackle him were minute, and there's the chances of him running up against the the, the um, anybody of that size in the league, even in in this league. Before we even talk about the European uh, for the European Cup, is is unlikely. Um, in terms of the squad, in some areas, I do think we are stronger. I do like some of the guys who come in. I think Angier coming in is a very interesting prospect. Connor Oliver just didn't seem to get the rub of the green down at Munster as well. Um, Dowling, the, the little bits I've seen, I've been impressed by. But in other areas, I'm not so sure. I still would worry about the back three in terms of depth. I think you can't let... Even, I, I think, if you're going to lose someone like Kyle Godwin, who has played at international level has gone straight back into a super rugby team. You need to be replacing him with something similar or someone who is going on that pathway. I don't know if we've done that. Um, uh, Sammy Arnold, again, somebody who has had injury issues. So I'm worried about probably from 10 out that maybe we don't have the depth because they, we what we don't have in the back line is, is somebody who was teaked off and will play a lot of games now. Godwin is gone. In terms of the pack, I do like some of the guys who come in, but what they don't have is street. They they may be a little street lacking in street wiseness because of a lack of experience beyond the guys that were here last year. Um, but it will be good to see players playing in the right positions. If Papa Ely is the number eight that we hope he is, or Paul Boyle develops into that, it means Jared Butler doesn't have to play at eight, which means he's better at and he's better. I think he's better at six than eight. I I, I seven seven well six seven, but definitely either. Then an eight. Hopefully, Sean O'Brien will be able to come back if the shoulder, and hopefully, will have overcome his shoulder issues. Um, so I do like I do like the depth in the pack with the new guys coming in. I am though worried about from from ten out. 
yeah, so you know, just talking about the backs, like we we did sign Ben O'Donnell, who's um, looks like he could be a a serious player, but he did injure himself at the start of the year. Any any word on that, Rob? No, not uh, like I missed a small segment of the press conference at the start, but nothing uh, that I picked up on. So I I think that's still going to be more towards October when we hopefully might be hearing at least about him in the squad and his recuperation. But look, if if, if we stand corrected on that, forgive us because it's it's a bit helter skelter in these early stages. But we don't we didn't we didn't think he was mentioned. It's funny we were talking a good bit about the back row there, Niall, and our man today on our on our uh, interviews was Owen Masterson. Um, you know, mm-hmm. where is his role in this team? Do you think he's such a, he's such a, he's part of a leadership group for obvious reasons because he speaks so well. He's such an inspiration at his, at his, on his best days. He's a phenomenal rugby player, as we know. Um, what are you expecting from him this season? Where does he fit into your mindset of what a, a, a conic success, a successful conic back row would look like? Oh, uh, for me, or second row, maybe. Uh, yeah, numbers. Oh, go on. Yeah. Uh, no, no, I, d- I don't think so. But I'd have him. Um, I'd have him at six. To be honest with you, um, he gets shunted around a fair bit, six or eight. Um, he probably lacks a little bit of the power now. He's an excellent player, an excellent leader. You can see he's constantly cajoling players uh, when he's playing and all that. I reckon he'll be. He'd be. Uh, you know, one of the sixes that we have. But to be honest with Jay, his versatility has possibly come against him sometimes where he hasn't had the chance to, you know, clearly um, go into a position and stay there. You know what I mean? So, um, but he's a very intelligent rugby player. Uh, he's strong. He looks in serious shape um, at the minute. So um, I've seen him there lately. Uh, but I would, yeah. I'd, I'm I'd, sure. I'm sure. I'm sure having his brother. I'm sure having his brother in the in the squad is helping drive him. I'd say so. I'd say so. Yeah, great to have Sean. He'd, um, Sean played well for the Eagles last year. Um, and you know, it, it was a good, successful Eagles season. Um, he played very well. Um, he can. He runs great lines. He takes on ball really, really well. Um, possibly doesn't do it enough and needs to keep himself involved in the game but um, hopefully he's another player that can kick on uh, more of a seven he's more of a linking seven though than a kind of a groundhog so you'd be hoping he works on those instincts because the way the breakdown or it appears that the breakdown is being refed you you know you're going to get a chance you're going to get a go at the ball and uh, you're not going to get a second one so uh, you need to be good you know, you need to be good there so that's, uh, that's my take on it with the two of them. Um, interesting that you bring that up about uh, on the ground because Alan, Andy Friend did re- reference Con- in relation to Connor Oliver about fetching is what he used the terminology in terms of didn't get that right enough last year. Um, actually kind of made a comparison with Kobe Fienga that he'd be fulfilling that role and he fe- and kind of not specifically t- saying that Kobe Fienga failed in that area, but he did link the fact that maybe Fanga didn't get through enough of that turnover ball and it's it's very important now. Am I on the right track there with that? What do you think in terms of is Connor Oliver going to f- bring something that was missing last year and does is that something that Fanga actually couldn't bring? Because it's not much he couldn't bring really. Yeah, I think, well, like, Colby was one of our major ball carriers last yeah, year. That's um, his main role, season. yeah. And, and, you know, yeah, like he was out in the in the centres getting ball and breaking, making big, big gains he was our top ball carrier from a meters per carry perspective in in three and a half to four meters per carry uh, you know so he was he was major player on that side of the ball but like to be there you can't be over the ball at the same time so it, and and the reason he was out there is because we didn't have a, a big enough ball playing number eight because we um we had our captain playing at number eight when he really should be playing open side so you know it's, it's very hard to you know it's very hard to criticize him on that point of view which so, I don't think Andy Friend was right but it was interesting that he brought it up and I just thought he, he's, he's almost kind but, of but surely surely Alan sorry guys surely Alan that's for when um, when you have the ball and you're carrying but when, you know when you don't have it that's you know it was it was a um, it, it was a problem we've had over the last couple of seasons I wonder guys if last year the it seems to me that the big difference of fine game might work very well under the new rules, where there is much more of a chance to rule the ball. I thought last year it was almost impossible for anybody to to steal a ball at the breakdown. One of our prime candidates for doing that is, is Dennis Buckley. And relatively speaking, he turned over a much less amount of ball last season than in the seasons previously. And I do think the emphasis of for allow a fairer contest at the breakdown will suit would have suited Fainga and it'll certainly suit the likes of Oliver and Buckley and there will be more turnover ball. But it's just going to come down to 
how the laws have been interpreted, how they've been tweaked. And last season was very much in favour of the team with possession. It was, but I'm just looking at the, the the turnover stats for last, and we call it last season, but it's still this season. <laughs> but <laughs> um, you know, we Connacht don't have a single player in the top twenty for for turnover steals. Okay, not one, and that's you know. So maybe maybe that's where uh, maybe that's where Andy's talking about that. You know, looking for someone to get us into into that, and, and you can say, well, okay, so what? But Josh McLeod turned over twenty twenty the ball twenty times. You know, Ollie Robinson mm-hmm. did twelve. So, like, it, it, there was the possibility if he did it right, but it depends on what type of game you were playing. Fascinating. Did the you- irony being there is that they did they did that both in the games here for the two games yeah. here. They were the two. They would those were two of the worst performances by away teams that we've seen. So it's all very well good, well and good turning over the ball, but it's what you do when you have it that ultimately yeah, exactly. means whether you win the game or not. Yeah, that's a, mm-hmm. that's a very very pertinent <laughs> point when you when you highlight those specific games as well. Because yeah, I was about I was trying I, when you said that there, Dave. I was like, oh yeah, and how do they do in that game? Not very well, actually. Yeah, not very well at all. Hey, listen, lads, you know what? I mean, it's, it's not it's it's not to dismiss McLeod or Robinson. They were actually the no. outstanding no. players on the game. They were. Yeah, what they were yeah. surrounded with was wasn't good enough. Yeah, agreed, uh, lads. It's interesting, right? Mm-hmm. Where are we? We don't know. We're having a conversation here. I'm loving this because, my God, it's like therapy. It's just just to speak about rugby with you guys again is brilliant. You know, and I, I think our listeners will understand as we finish this podcast that, like, we could have gone into a wider picture, Alan, of, oh, my God, is there going to be any more rugby after, like, there's none in September. There might be two games in October. Is that it? Will we get the two European games off? What's going to happen with the internationals? How are these games going to play out? When's the next lockdown coming? We could do that, but I think we'll just blow people's minds. We're really trying to ground ourselves in no. the I'm more interested. There's a game on Saturday that game matters. An interpro, and it just you know, the guys are playing for a chance to play for Ireland. Yeah, you've got Ulster coming down with yeah. with Dan McFarland, you know, who's you know, a conic legend in my book. Um, you know, John Cooney's going to be down. Is he going to be playing, or will they have Albie Matheson, who's now joined them? Is he going to be playing? They're going to miss Sean Reedy, who was their top tackler last year. So that, does that mean there's more space for us to play the game? I, that's all I've cared about for the last two days is looking at all this sort of stuff. Them losing Rob Balakun today was a huge loss for them as well. Yeah, then it, they've got Ian Madigan coming in on board. So like, there's all sorts of weird and wonderful things going on. It, Niall, it just gives us this just gives us parameters to ground what the new squad is and just think about it. And maybe over the next few weeks, we might talk about some of the players who are gone as well. I mean, I'm thinking of Owen McKeown left, and my God, we, we like it's just someone was talking to me about it today. We need to take a few minutes to you know celebrate what a great career he had with Connacht as well, and, and those kind of elements as we go uh, or for the next few weeks. But right now, isn't it lovely to just try and put a shape? on what a new Connick squad look like, depending whatever kind of rugby we get out there. Oh, yeah. But, you know, everybody, every one of us, anybody that's listening to this, everybody will have missed it so much. This We're all the same. Mm. Um, so it is really nice to be talking about it. We just hope that everything, everything goes off without a hitch now. That's that's the that's the most important thing at the minute, you know. Um, it's kind of, you know, there's lots of players like, you know the players that are coming in, like that Connor Oliver. I know, and your friend was talking about him, and uh, I don't know. I'm sure Alan has stats there, but you know he's he's not he's not named. Yeah, that yeah. you know he's I know he serious, rings a bell. Serious ball carrier as well. Okay, well we'll see, but you know we'll yeah. see if he's still a serious ball carrier. But the the um, and your friend was you know mentioned him in a, as a you know a fetcher and all that. I don't know what his stats like or that, but it's not something that jumps out in my head that he was he was excellent to that sort of thing. So you know they're obviously seeing something in him that's um, shown this this um, ability. So it'll be great to see stuff like that. And the same with the guys that are gone. Like it's often said, the likes of Owen McKeown didn't get a proper send off, you know, um, from Connacht. Um, you know, you know, I, I I assume he's still looking for something. He's a young man all the time. He did an awful, you know, he had an awful injury blighted career. Um, but it's just, it's great. It's great I mean, that it's happening Logan. again. You know, like there, there's someone, you know, who's... Exactly. Yeah, yeah. it is great to be exactly. back. That's a good point. Uh, Alan, Alan Niadio Loken uh, deserves our time and we're, we will set some time aside we promise you that folks uh, next week uh, you can see technically we were just trying to get this podcast off this week and also just get the conversation rolling but yeah for sure uh, they're just among the lads that will we'll take some time to just celebrate and appreciate uh, two guys that have uh, pro 12 medals in their pocket Tom McCartney Tom McCartney sitting back in New Zealand right now and hopefully well and happy and safe Dave Finn, I guess that then underlines why, you know, 
it's worth the IRFU's effort. It's like it's not just about keeping people employed and keeping these lads, uh, you know, keeping the whole meaning of it going, keeping all the, the, the whole show on the road for the supporters as well just the mere fact that the lads are getting out there and playing admittedly on TV it's not as good we need to be there everyone gets that we'll be there when we can when they can let us in was the best game in the last in the last three months that I've seen wasn't necessarily the best game I've seen it was the game the first game in New Zealand where they had a crowd oh yeah it was and amazing. it made a big difference I mean but, but they did go through three weeks of of having no of having then nobody then then built it up gently and we will get there if we're waiting for a situation where everything's 110 percent safe then we'll have no sports till god knows when but it's better to be in a situation where you can stay at home and put on whichever channel that the games are going to be on hell the first game that's going to be the most important game is is the first game on friday now now i don't know if if any of us would have tuned into benazon zebra derbies before but I'll be tuning in Top on Friday because it'll be the first pro, pro 14 game that we've had in three months. And, it's, and that, well, I have to say, I don't necessarily say this a lot, but well done Air Sport. They're showing every game either on Air Sport 1, Air Sport 2. So that's great. And we'll get to see all this rugby. And then on Sunday, we get the climax of the weekend, which is going to be our game. And it'll be, we'll have had the anticipation of the Leinster Munster game from the night before. Our blood will be up for it and we'll be there to cheer the lads. And once the, once the whistle goes, people will forget that they're not necessarily at the game. Because how many games do we watch kind of that when they're in Italy or they're in South Africa and we watch them on TV? It doesn't lessen our support. We get behind the guys. And you don't, I mean, yeah, there's a lot of guys I know who would love to be, who go to all the games and they're going to feel it more than, than, than most of us. But supporting your team is is important. Having a team to support is even more important. And that's going to be the big thing. There are going to be 12 teams this weekend we're going to be putting on a show for their fans. And even if it is through the TV screen, it's better than having nothing at all and waiting and waiting and waiting. As usual, Dave gives us the uh, killer lines to uh, get us all fired up to watch it. I think I'm going to say good luck on that. Enjoy your beautiful holiday in the wonderful county that you're in there, Niall. Well, um, here's there's an orange weather warning. So, oh, yeah. Um, <laughs> you may be in the worst part of the current warning. <laughs> I think Ackle takes I'll, the fair I'll on I fly home. Uh, it's good to have you on board. We'll talk to you and all of you are coming back each week for our mini-series so we'll talk to you all next week. Alan, thank you kindly. No worries, no worries. Daryl Leader, I meant to mention Daryl Leader was the four. I knew there was four players that needed to get shouted out for having left and Daryl would have been the fourth one in that list. Good call. And like, think about it, folks. Like, there are, every one of the other lads who left are incredible uh, servants to the team and the squad and they've given it everything the only reason we're highlighting those four is because the sheer number of games they played for Connacht huge games they uh-huh. were massive massive uh-huh. contributors on big big days and unfortunately due to COVID in fairness uh, we haven't had a chance but we will take that opportunity don't you worry in the next couple of weeks listen it's great to have you back I want to shout out to a couple of people uh, I want to shout out Murty Rabbits who are our sponsors who have backed us all through the good times and all those people in businesses that are shut down at the moment we have your backs and uh, I hope all of our listeners will be bursting through the doors every opportunity to get uh, when those opportunities come up in the future because these businesses are the lifeblood of our community. So thanks for them. And thanks to all of you on the Patreon uh, site who just keep giving us uh, the support. Uh, we will be speaking to you in a couple of weeks time with our plans for the n- next month. But your backing is phenomenal and I really appreciate it. And if you want to get on and learn more about that, do. But don't do it for the next week or two because we'll have a whole plan for you in about three weeks time. That's all we're saying. But for now, for everyone who supporting us thank you for everyone who wants to support us just get in touch and we'll let you know all about that that's it from us loose cut it loose break out or nothing changes sad and confused don't wait until